and welcome to another great message from Mr. Christian Outreach Church. We pray you'll be inspired and equipped by this teaching. For more information on Noosa Christian Outreach Church, please check out our website at noosacoc.org.au. Enjoy. Morning all. How are we? Why don't you turn in your Bibles with me this morning to Exodus chapter 4. We're going to have a little look at Moses this morning. Thank you, Lord. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for the incredible privilege to stand in your house. Lord, to be in your presence, to be called your sons and daughters, to be counted amongst your people, Father God. Lord, it's with open hearts that we come before you this morning. Lord, we pray that you would speak to us, each and every one of us individually, God. Father, the prayer of my heart is that the words of man would drop to the ground, but the revelation of an incredible God with his power, his might, his grace and mercy would come forth and touch the people of God this morning. So, Father, we say, have your way and have your say in this place today, Father. Do what you will in your precious name. Amen. All right, Exodus chapter 4, and we'll start at verse 10. So just to give you a little backstory in this, many of us know the story of Moses. So Moses was exiled. So he ran out into the wilderness. He found a beautiful bride, had some children, happy days. He was very content lived a nice, quiet life. But then God woke up one day and tapped him on the shoulder and says, Moses, I've actually got more for you. This is not where it ends. This is not where it finishes. I haven't called you just to tend to sheep. I haven't called you just to raise children because I've heard the cry of my people and I've decided that you're the man. You're the man to go back to Egypt. You're the man to go and face Pharaoh. You're the man to speak to him and to call him and to tell him to set my people free. So in verse 10, then Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth, and teach you what you shall say. But he said to the Lord, O my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. This morning I want to pull some wisdom for us out of the book of Exodus and out of the life of Moses. But while you stay in Exodus, I just want to jump over to Jeremiah because Jeremiah's got a very interesting story that's very similar experience to that of Moses. And Jeremiah says, Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. 
But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am a youth, for you shall go to all whom I send you. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Both such incredible stories where God is telling both Moses and Jeremiah, it's a season of stretch. It's a season of stepping outside of our comfort zone. It's a season for you to see what I can do through you, not what's in you yourself. So I want to look at these two interactions this morning and see the significant points because God makes three clear demands of both Moses and Jeremiah. Number one, God says, stop voicing disqualification. Moses says, I'm not eloquent. Jeremiah says, but I am a youth. Both of them, as soon as God says, I want you to go, the first thing out of their mouth is, no, I can't. I can't. I'm not eloquent. You've asked me to speak. Really? I'm slow of speech and you've asked me to speak. Or to Jeremiah, no, I'm a youth. Who is going to listen to me? Who am I to bring the word of the Lord to your people? How often do we state the obvious to God? I'm too poor. I'm too rich. I'm too young. I'm too old. I'm too sick. I'm too downtrodden. I'm too dumb. I'm too smart. God is saying today, you know what? I hear all of those things. But guess what? It's irrelevant. It's irrelevant in me. You may see those things first in your life. It's not actually what I see. You know, Moses, over the course of his conversation, very long conversation with God, tried three times to tell God, seriously, God, are you smoking something? Do you not see Do you not see who you're talking to? In chapter 3, he says, who am I that I should go? In chapter 4, he says, I'm not eloquent. And then he says, please send whomever else. Seriously, God, there has to be somebody else. I'm not eloquent. Neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue. God, you've asked me to speak and my greatest area of challenge is that of speech. And God, further to that, before you asked me to speak, you didn't heal me of my speech impediment. While we've been talking, you haven't healed me of my speech impediment. Since we've spoken, you haven't healed me of my speech impediment. What's going on, God? You're asking me to use my voice, yet I'm slow of speech. Moses was expecting the supernatural hand of God to reach down and go, you know what, Moses? I'm going to turn your life upside down. I'm going to make you the most phenomenal communicator known to man. 
I'm going to make you taller in stature. I'm going to make you buff. I'm going to make you so confident that you're just going to walk in there and say to Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh's going to go, yep, sure, no worries. No, I don't think so. If you try and do that, Moses, you're actually going to fall on your face. Because who knows, the greatest thing that Moses needed to go before him was God. And who knows that when we're feeling like we're in lack, we cling to God all the more. We actually realize that we need to take him with us into our circumstances because we're very aware of our shortcomings. We're very aware that we're slow in speech. We're very aware that we are young or that we're old or that we're poor or that we're rich. We don't need anybody to point these things out to us. They're glaringly obvious and screaming to us all day. There's a saying that says, God doesn't call the equipped, but he equips those that he calls. How true this is. If God could only call the equipped, there would be nobody getting anything done. Because each and every single one of us is not up to the test. We're not up to the mark. We're not to where we should be. And we know that God is more concerned about our character than our comfort. So we continue to sit in our discomfort. Everyone in the word of God stepped into something so much bigger than themselves. And everyone's bigger was something completely different. Think about Esther, David, Joseph, Daniel, even the disciples. All of these would have fallen on their face if they had not have put God first if they had not have been aware of their shortcomings, but were able to say, God, I see these things, but I also see that with you, all things are possible. I feel like a large part of my life, I used Jeremiah's line. But God, I'm just a youth. Who am I? I'm not as smart. I don't speak as well. I don't hear like Jody. I don't have faith like Val. All of these shortcomings, all of these excuses constantly we bring before God. And our prayer is, God, just take all these things from me and just make me phenomenal. Ha, ha. (laughs) And very slowly we begin to learn that actually I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Often we stop at that I can do all things. But the strength in that verse is through Christ who strengthens me. Do you know what I love? Is when I finally get over myself, when I finally get over my shortcomings, when I finally get over my own nasal gazing of of looking at my inferiority and, and every issue that I have about myself. And I lift my eyes and I say, God, okay, I bring you what minuscule I have. We then get to watch in wonder and amazement of what he creates out of our something little. He creates something beautiful out of our brokenness. He creates something phenomenal out of our lacking. And God doesn't do things in halves. 
He doesn't come and just say, I'll just give you mediocre ability in this area with me because I don't want you to be amazing. I don't want you to do amazing things for me. No. God says, with me, we can move mountains. With me, you can do exactly what I've called you to step into. The only way that we can do this is number two, to walk in obedience. Moses, he said to Moses, now therefore go. He said to Jeremiah, whatever I command, you shall speak. Obedience is attentive hearing. To listen with compliant submission, assent and agreement. God is saying, have I not asked you to do this in my name? Will I then not go before you? Will I then not stand with you? When you stand in front of Pharaoh, will I not stand with you? When you stand in front of those persecuting you, when I've called you, Jeremiah, to speak my harsh but truth to this people that don't want to hear it, that are stubborn and pig-headed and set in their ways, will I not stand with you? Will I not go before you? When we look at what we can do, we never want to actually step out beyond our comfort zone, do we? We've created this little bubble, this world, this I can do these things comfortably within my ability and so therefore I want to stay in this place. I know he's asking me to share my faith, but I can't. Because what if they ask me about the Trinity? Or what if they ask me about eternity? Or, or what if they ask me about the dispensation of Christ? I can't answer these questions. So who am I to open my mouth? No, God, there has to be something wrong here. You must have called the wrong person. Later on in Numbers 20, we, we carry on the story of Moses. And who remembers that Moses saw great and mighty exploits and the children of Israel saw the most phenomenal things that you would think would transform their life. Yet they're thirsty and they're complaining to Moses. They're complaining that you've brought us out once again into the wilderness to die. You should have left us oppressed by Pharaoh. So Moses goes to God and says, the people are thirsty. And God says, take the rod. You and your brother Aaron, gather the congregation together. Speak to the rock before their eyes and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and their animals. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he, has com- as he had commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock. And he said to them, hear now, you rebels. Must we bring water for you out of this rock? Then Moses lifted his hand and he struck the rock twice with his rod and water came out in abundance and the congregation and the animals drank. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe me, to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel, 
Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. Moses stepped out, but he wasn't obedient. God had commanded him to speak to the rock. But Moses was defaulting to his comfort zone because earlier God had commanded him to strike the rock. So Moses, not hearing, thinking, I know how to do this. Moses stood in front of the congregation and said, look what I have done. You are thirsty and I've produced water. Moses forgot in that moment that he was stepping out in obedience to what God had commanded him to do. So Moses didn't get to see the promised land. Moses got to lead that bunch of people around a desert for 40 years and not enter into the promised land. He disqualified himself from being used further by God. Our confidence must come from the Holy Spirit, must come in what he can do through us. Who knows that pride comes before the fall? These things in our life, they keep us humble, don't they? They keep us constantly coming before God, getting down on our knees and going, God, I've got so many issues. How can you possibly use me? There must be somebody else. But God says, see your heart. And I see that you actually want to follow in my ways. See that you're obedient I see that if I I give you a word, you will follow it. You'll actually go out and do it. And that's what he wants. So point number three, refusing to fear. Sometimes we have the expectation that when we step into the will of God, everything's going to be rosy. It's going to be peaceful living. It's going to be beautiful. Life's going to be easy. When Peter stepped out of the boat to go to Jesus, the wind and the rain... It didn't stop. It said he was buffeted by the wind. He got out. He would have been tossed around. He would have had water slapping him in the face. But when he stood out in obedience, what was going on around him, it was irrelevant. What was going on, what the feelings inside of him, it was irrelevant. What he was doing was putting his eyes on Jesus. What he was doing was saying, I will be obedient Because you said, come, so I will come. I will step out of this boat. What is our response when we look fear in the face? If we step out in obedience, we will have to come face to face with fear. We need to make our resolve before we come face to face with fear. Because who knows that when fear comes, and it will come, we're going to run. We're going to run back to self-preservation. We're going to run back to our comfort zone. We're going to go, see God, I told you I couldn't do it. I told you I couldn't speak. I told you I was too young. I told you I was dumb. See God, I knew. Whereas if our resolve is before, we can go fear, I see you. Bring it. You just try. Try your hardest. Because do you know what? Fear, 
I don't fight you. See this man beside me? He's got you. I don't have to fight this. I simply just say, God, he's called me and I'm stepping into obedience and doing what it is that he's called me to do. I think fear is one of the greatest emotions that each and every one of us face. Not one of us can say that there's not an area of fear in our life. The challenge is, is we look around and we go, Jamie, he doesn't have fear in his life. Gets up here every Sunday and sings and plays guitar, drives an awesome car, has a great family, great business. What's he got to fear? Absolutely nothing. He's got it together. Do you know what I think the big difference is? Is that some people actually know how to stare fear in the face. Some people actually know how to not allow it to ruffle them. Jamie can stand up here on a Sunday morning and go, nobody is worshipping, I must be doing a terrible job. No, fear, that's a lie of the enemy. And I will not listen to that. So right now I won't show you that fear is coming, that my, my hands are starting to shake because I'll actually call fear out and I'll say, no, the truth of God is that, God, you've called me into obedience. You've called me to stand on this platform. You've called me to lead your people into worship. So therefore, what I feel, it's actually irrelevant right now because, God, you are so much bigger, so much bigger. God's word is so full of wisdom for us to live by. And once we're saved, it's never again a question of salvation. For each and every one of us sitting here today, we know where we're going. The question is, do we now want to live a life that's pleasing to God, that's worth living? God's given us dominion. He's called us to share our faith. He's called us to love our brother. He's called us to live a life that brings glory to his name. The truth is, each and every one of us sitting here today are responsible for the fact that someone doesn't get saved in this church every Sunday. Every single one of us sitting here are responsible for that person that sits in here Sunday after Sunday amongst this large group of people but feels completely alone. We are responsible for the fact that when others don't look at us, when others look at us, they don't necessarily see Christ in us. They don't see that my life is bringing glory to God. You and I are responsible for these things. As I said, it's not a question of salvation. It's actually a question of you're not disqualified. God's called you to something. And so now he's saying, will you be obedient? Will you stare fear in the face and will you do it anyway? I don't profess to know what's going to happen at the end, outside of the basics. God wins, we go to heaven. Happy days. That much I do know. Can't tell you about everything else. But what I do know is that Romans says that we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Peter says that we will give an account to him. Again, not a question of salvation. 
a question of what have you done with what I've entrusted to you? What have you done with the call of God on your heart? What have you done with taking dominion? What have you done with sharing your faith? What have you done with loving your brother? What have you done living a life that screams glory to a magnificent God? What have you done with these things? I am responsible. Like the ones given the talents, what have you done with what you've been given? Have you multiplied your talents? Have you preserved your talents? Have you buried your talents? Have you given your talents away? The but list. But I was too young, too poor, too young, too old. It isn't going to cut it when we stand before God. Because God says, remember, it was irrelevant. It didn't come into it. I feel like Jody's word last week was very significant for where we stand today. And when Janine got up, she sung about the refiner's fire. A refiner's fire is that melting process whereby impurities are removed from precious metals. It's a precious expression of his grace. He promises to cleanse us so we can stand before him righteous. This is what God's calling us to. He's calling us to righteousness. Malachi 3 says, But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire, like a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi, and he will purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. Like the prodigal son, God is standing with his arms wide open. He doesn't care where we've been. He doesn't care that we've, we've shared a bed and a, and a meal plate with the pigs. It doesn't matter. He's standing and he's waiting for us. Will we step back in? Will we step into his embrace? Will we allow him to refine us again? Will we allow him to do his work? Will we trust him to bear all, to be vulnerable, to step in front of him and say, God, you and I both know what I've been up to. You and I both know that I've been using the excuses. But I choose to step in to that refiner's fire. For many of us, we've been like Moses and Jeremiah and we've tried to convince God that he got it wrong and we're waiting for him to use someone else. But what have we laid down that God is asking for us to pick up? And for every single one of us here, it's very different. There aren't two alike, but I can tell you the basics. Love God. Have dominion. Love your neighbor as yourself. Share the gospel and live a life that glorifies God. If you don't know what God's calling you to step into, they're the basics that you can embrace each and every day and go, God, I will step with obedience into this. He's very aware 
of our shortcomings. For some of you, you've been a mature Christian. You've been around for a while. You've got some of the basics down pat. And so he's saying, you've got comfortable. And I'll be the first to admit, I've had a comfortable year. I don't like the fact that I've had a comfortable year now, looking back. (laughs) Whilst I was walking through my comfortable year, I was happy with my year because I was comfortable. But as I come to the end of the year, I go, you know what, God? I think I missed it. I think I missed a few areas where you were calling me to step out of my comfort zone. I think I hid well. I'm a new mum now. My priorities have shifted. I'm busy. Things look very different. I don't have capacity beyond that. God's going, you know what? That's a lie. Because I've called you to these things. So therefore, I know that you have capacity beyond those things. That when I call you to step out of that, your family's not going to suffer. Your child's not going to suffer. Your business isn't going to suffer. None of these things are going to suffer. Because I'm a God that doesn't do things in halves. I don't take my eye off the ball if I'm getting you to look over here. I'm a God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. I'm a God of the generations. So everything that I ask you to put my hand to is going to bless and impart in the generations to come. I'm not going to detract from that. You know, his promises are so faithful. Jamie, would you join me? This past couple of weeks, I haven't been able to get out of my head that old hymn, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. For some of you young'uns, might not know the words, so I'll read them out to you. Turn your eyes on Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. As we fix our eyes on him, we no longer see that we are slow of speech. We no longer see that we are young. We no longer see those shortcomings. We only see our God in his glory and his splendor. The verses which we don't tend to hear say, O soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's a light for a look at the Saviour and a life more abundant and free. Though death, through death, into life everlasting, he passed and we follow him there. Over us sin no more hath dominion, for we are more than conquerors in him. His word shall not fail you. He promised, believe him and all will be well. Then go to a world that is dying, his perfect salvation to tell. Isn't that powerful? You know, the story that that was inspired from, she was a brilliant artist whose talent opened doors of wealth and influence. But she also had a tugging on her heart for missions. And she discovered that despite all of her wealth and success, her heart wasn't going to be satisfied until she went into that place. So she spent 
38 years as a missionary to Muslims in Algeria. And she penned these words. Never has it been so easy to live a life a dozen harmless worlds at a time. Art, music, social science, games, motoring, the following of some profession and so on. And between them, we run the risk of drifting about. The good hiding the best. It's easy to find out whether our lives are focused and if so, where the focus lies. Where do our thoughts settle when consciousness comes back in the morning? Where do they swing when the pressure is off during the day? Dare to have it out with God and ask him to show you whether or not all is focused on Christ and his glory. Turn your soul's vision to Jesus and look and look at him and a strange dimness will come over all that is apart from him. Isn't that beautiful? That as we focus on our God, that he promises that all of those buts will grow strangely dim that they won't be the loudest things shouting at us each and every day. As we look on him, we see nothing but his might, his splendor, his ability. And his leading us into those areas. We stand with me, church. As Jamie sings for us this morning, I feel like God's asking for a response from us. He's asking for us to repent of those things that we've laid down. He's asking us to repent of those times that we've said, but God, I can't. But God, I'm not enough. What I have is insufficient. You didn't create me good enough to do this. Those lies that we've believed of the enemy. They're not going to stand any longer. As we come before our God, as we fix our eyes on him this morning, as we worship him, as we go, God, I'm lifting my eyes this morning. I give you my butts and I choose to look in your glory and your splendor. Will you talk to God this morning? Will you come before him? Will you bear your heart? You can kneel, you can stand, you can come to the front, whatever you feel you need to do in response to God. But this is your time to say, God, what are you saying to me? Father, I thank you that we can stand before you, that we can come again. Lord, today we say that we've repented. Lord, we're sorry for those things that we've laid down, for, Lord, where we've looked at fear and we've taken it upon us, Lord, for where we've allowed the lies of the enemy to come and consume us, where we've allowed him to derail us from those things that you've clearly asked us to step out and do. God, for those dreams and visions that have been pushed aside, they seem too big It's too big a stretch. It's too expensive. It's too costly. It's asking too much of me. God, no longer will we stand and object. But God, today we say we'll take a step. Lord, that we will lift our eyes and we will focus on you. And we'll say yes. We don't know how it's going to work. We don't know how we're going to do it. 
But Lord, we put our trust in you this day. We declare that you are greater. We declare that you are mightier. And we declare that we can do all things when it's your Holy Spirit strengthening us, when it's him working through us, when it's his might and his power, when it's his ability, it's his sufficiency. So God, would you pour out your grace and your mercy on your people today? Fill them afresh again. Feel like God's reigniting the flame on some of those dreams and visions that have been put down. Those ones where you've said, I mustn't have heard from God because that's too big. I can't do that. If that's you, I encourage you to go back and read the story of Moses. Because what I didn't read this morning was that God said, I'll send Aaron to walk beside you. And for some of us, there's an Aaron waiting there on the wing. There's an Aaron that's going to come and when we're fighting the battle, he's going to stand beside us and he's going to hold up our hands. There's an Aaron that's going to come and when we're struggling to communicate what it is that we need to to put forward, he's going to be our mouthpiece. There's an Aaron that's got your back. But Aaron couldn't step in and be Aaron until Moses stepped into that thing that God was calling him to do. Aaron was just Aaron. Aaron wouldn't have been remembered through the book of Exodus for what he did if Moses hadn't have stepped forth. And what God asked of Aaron, I'm sure was big for Aaron. Sure, it was bigger than he could anticipate ever doing. So for each and every one of us, whether we're a Moses or an Aaron or a Jeremiah or a Peter stepping out of the boat, no no matter what it is, God knows we need to be confident that he's put what we need in place, person, finances, time, ability, strength, whatever it may be. Could the rest of the music team join us? It'd be great. So I'd love to pray with our prayer and prophetic team for any of you this morning that need a fresh dose of confidence to step out into those things, that feel like you've laid some things down and you need it stirred up again. Don't be like me and get to the end of another year And be grieved that you missed some things. I did good things for God this year. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying I feel like I missed some areas. I feel like I missed a bit of personal growth. And I could be further down the line. I feel like I missed talking to my neighbour. But the beautiful thing about God is he gives us second chances. So my neighbour's still there and I can still grow tomorrow. I can still grow into the person that he wants me to be. I can still be that person of influence that he's called me to be. So for each and every one of us, 
God, what is it? What is it you're calling me to for 2017? What is it that we're stepping into? And I'm excited because I know that God is going to do great and mighty things in this house of God over the next 12 months because he's stirring us up. He's got a fresh vision. He's pouring it out. And he's saying that there's going to be great and mighty exploits coming from this place. So I'm excited. Are you excited? Sorry if I've preached a bit of a downer. We're going to worship God this morning. As Christian said before, if you're visiting with us, then we would love to connect with you. So don't leave without meeting some of our beautiful people in the cafe. Stay. Do life with somebody today. Spread the love. Get to know somebody. Dive into their life. Face your fear of that cafe area. See the fear and go, no, I'm stepping in there. I'm talking to someone that I don't know. Because God, you're in me. And I'm powerful and I'm bigger than this fear that I'm facing. So let's worship God. Go have a fantastic week. Be blessed. Be bigger. Be awesome in God's name.